Welcome to the BWFA Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast series brought to you by Baltimore Washington Financial Advisors. This podcast is informational and not a specific recommendation. Please consult with your financial advisor. Hello and welcome to the final podcast in a podcast series about what is your retirement number. My name is Thad Ismart. I am a senior financial planner at Baltimore Washington Financial Advisors. And in the previous podcast, we talked about retirement numbers as it relates to savings. How much should you be saving? How much should you have saved? Com- combining both of those, starting out, how much you should save, a path forward, and how much should you have saved at the end of your employment history, continuing into retirement. We also talked about expenses. How much should you have uh, calculated your expenses to be in retirement? And then we also talked about an alternative way instead of estimating what your expenses will be using a top-down method on calculating your expenses. I encourage you to listen to the first and the second podcast prior to listening listening to this one. Uh, It will give you some background and then a path forward as we get to the final retirement number that I'll talk about at the end of this podcast. So we talked about savings, calculating your expenses. Now you're at a point where how much can you withdraw from your retirement account safely so you don't run out of money? And many of you out there may have heard the 4% rule. It is a good rule. It's a good guide. I use it today, but it is just that. It is a guide. little background why the 4% rule came about. It used to be If you were to take the historical rates of return and apply it to your portfolio for any 30, 35 year period of those historical rates of return, if you withdrew 4% using those same rates of return, it doesn't matter where you start, but you take that bracket, maybe 1960 to 1995, whatever those rates of return were, apply to your portfolio, take out 4%, you never ran out of money using those rates of return. And it doesn't, didn't matter where you took those rates of return, doesn't matter what bracket of years, it always worked. However, until recently in 2007, 8, and 9, somewhere around the late 60s, there's a 35-year period. If you take that period, applied those historical rates of return, you did run out of money. So I think it was more, it was more used prior to 2007 because it always worked. And you may have heard the the adage of past performance is no guarantee of future performance. And this is just that. It doesn't work now. The pros is is that it keeps up with inflation because it assumes that you increase your withdrawals by 3% every year. So if 4% is $40,000 the first year, 4% of a million, $40,000. The next year, the draw rate analysis assumes that you increase it by 3%. So instead of drawing $40,000 the second year, you actually are drawing 41200 It keeps up with inflation. Inflation, even with this past year's inflation of 8 9%, the average is still below 3% over the long term. So it still does keep up with inflation. As I mentioned, it's only a guide. It only allows for 30 to 35 years of withdrawals, meaning if you're retiring prior to age 65 or 60 and you're thinking you're going to live to age 100, well, you're going to run out of money sometime in your mid-90s based on the 4% rule. 
So it's a guide, but again, just like all of the other numbers, it oversimplifies many, in this case, a complex problem, just as the other guides oversimplify a complex problem. But it's a good guide to let you know how much you can withdraw safely at age 60, 65, so it lasts to age 100. Lastly, it doesn't take into consideration taxes. This is just how much you could take out of the account. But as we all know, where you take the money out from is going to impact your taxes on different levels. For example, if you have a million dollars in a Roth IRA, you take 40,000 out, assuming they're qualified withdrawals, you don't have to pay any taxes. Whereas you take $40,000 out of an IRA that may have a million dollars, that's pre-tax, well, you have to pay taxes on that. So you're going to be left with less than $40,000. Let's run through an example. Let's assume you have $40,000 of combined social security income. You have $40,000 of pension. We're, we're going to assume that this is net of taxes. And let's assume that you used the top-down approach in the podcast two in this series that I talked about, and you calculate your annual expenses to be $120,000. Well, you have $40,000 of Social Security net, $40,000 of pension net of taxes, $120,000 minus $40,000 minus $40,000. You need $40,000. That's what you need to supplement your income to pay for your lifestyle expenses so you have a comfortable retirement. Well, how much of a nest egg do you need to generate that? Well, using the 4% rule, you just simply divide 0.044% into 40,000. You need $1 million. $1 million nest egg will give you $40,000 of income, of withdrawals, using that 4% rule. But as I noted, the 4% rule does not consider taxes. And what I mean by that is, as I noted, where you take the money from will impact your tax picture. So let's continue that example. The pre-tax IRA, you have an IRA that has pre-tax contributions in it or another retirement account, any retirement account. Let's assume it's taxed at 25%. You're going to be net with, you're going to be left with $30,000 after federal state income taxes. But a taxable investment account, this is a brokerage account, a non-retirement account, it could be taxed between anywhere between zero and 25%, roughly. So you could be left with 40,000 because capital gains, long-term capital gains could be zero for folks who are in the 12% tax bracket or lower. Or it could be taxed as high as 25% approximately, which means you could be left with 30,000 as well. A Roth IRA or other retirement account that's Roth, assuming it's a qualified withdrawal, is not taxed. So using the 4% rule, you could have $40,000 without having to pay any taxes. So using the 4% rule is a good guide again, but you need to understand that the taxes, what you're going to be left with after taxes, may impact or reduce the amount that you actually have. So you have to keep that in mind if you're using the 4% rule. But again, if you have to, if you use the retirement number that I suggest at the end of this podcast, you won't have anything to worry about. Next, I'm going to talk about two risks the sequence of returns risk, and the withdrawal rate risk. The sequence of returns risk simply states that the timing of when you retire, when you start taking withdrawals from your accounts, is going to impact the overall success of not running out of money or the chances of you do running out of money. Here's an example. We have three people, Mrs. Fortune, Mr. Sour, and Mr. Straight. They're all the same age and they're retiring in the same year, but they're invested differently. 
So they're going to get different rates of return. Mrs. Fortune, the first year, she's going to get a 20% rate of return on her investments, on her nest egg. The next year, 15%, 11%, and then a couple bad years, negative four, negative seven. And then we're going to repeat that. 20, 15, 11, negative four, negative seven. We're going to go with that. It just makes the math easier. But the concepts will still be the same, and I think you'll see why in a second. Mr. Sauer, we're going to reverse those rates of return. Mr. Sauer is going to get negative seven the first year of retirement. The negative four, positive 11, positive 15, positive 20. Mr. Straight, we're going to assume he gets a 7% rate of return every single year. Won't happen, but we're going to assume that for illustrative purposes. It's important to note that if you average these rates of return, they all average out to 7%. But at age 90, we're going to assume their life expectancy is age 90. At age 90, Mr. Mrs. Fortune, given the same, those rates of return, she starts out positive and ends negative in years four to five and then repeats. She's going to have $1.992 million, almost $2 million. Mr. Sauer is going to have a little under $1.1 million. And Mr. Straight's going to have similar nest egg to Mrs. Fortune, $1.992 million. And this assumes that the, the portfolio, all three of them, started out at a million. Inflation was 3%. And we assumed that they withdrew 4% based on that 4% rule. So you can see using the 4% rule is a good guide. But depending on your rates of return, the sequence of returns, you may run out of money or you may not. It depends on those rates of return. And there's a huge difference. Mr. Strait and Mrs. Fortune have almost double of what Mr. Sauer has after 30, 25 years. Next, we talk about withdrawal rates. The withdrawal rate risk, like the sequence of returns risk, the withdrawal rate risk is the second important factor considered when you are taking money out of your nest egg to live on. Same example as the previous one, except we are going to increase the withdrawal rate, the withdrawal rate from 4% to 6%. And you may think it's not gonna have that big of an impact. Well, it certainly does. Mr. Sauer, unfortunately, runs out of money at age 87. Mrs. Fortune, more fortunate. At age 90, she has about 716,000. Mr. Strait still doesn't run out of money, but it, he only has 426,000, almost 40, 427. So you can see that the sequence of returns risk, the effect is compounded by increasing the draw rate just by one or 2%, in this case, 2%. So you have to be mindful of that. How do you solve that? Well, you can create a retirement paycheck. When I say retirement paycheck, I'm not saying write yourself a check. I'm talking about mitigating the risk of the sequence of returns. If Mr. Sauer, for example, set aside two years, and it could be extreme, but two years of expenses and something that doesn't fluctuate, it could be a money market, a savings account, pays a little bit of interest, a little bit more bang for your buck, but you know it's not going to be subject to the market volatility. If he set aside those two years of expenses, hindsight's 2020, so who would have known, but in this example, if he did, then it would have been if he started his withdrawals at age 68, two years later, when the withdrawal rates were 11. So instead of negative 7, negative 4, 11, 15, 20, it would have been 11, 15, 20, negative 7, negative 4, and would have been similar to Mrs. Fortune in that the first two years didn't have to worry about that volatility because he wasn't selling his investments when the market was down. This is how we create retirement paychecks for our clients. 
setting aside money in short-term bond fund, ultra short-term bond fund, pays a little bit of interest, and we send them their monthly needs from that pot of money, giving us the flexibility to manage the investments outside of that pot of money. Now I'd suggest using one retirement number. It's good to understand all of the different types of retirement numbers and what they are and the history behind them, what drives the theory behind them, but that's a lot of retirement numbers. If you're trying to figure out how much you need to save, a savings target, a rate of return, um, your expense level, withdrawal rates, it's a lot, of keep, lot to keep track of. This alternate retirement number will take into consideration debt, if you have debt in retirement, if you're going to buy a vacation home or student loans, downsizing, upsizing, rental properties, health and longevity, retirement planning, travel, hobbies, work, long-term care expenses, inheritances, leaving assets to heirs, social securities, strategies, rates of return, asset allocate, all of this one retirement number, we'll take all of that into consideration. What I'm talking about is using Monte Carlo analysis. Monte Carlo analysis is a way to determine the likelihood of an outcome that has random variables. It can be used in many different industries. Industries. In, in the financial planning area, we use it to randomize investment return because we can make an assumption, we do make an assumption, but we have no idea, for the most part, what the rate of return will be in the future. We can hope for the best and plan accordingly and invest according to your asset allocated model, but things happen. Stock market is very volatile. We randomize investment return, and then we get a success, a success rate showing what are the chances of our clients not outliving their invested assets, or what is the chance of our clients running out of money. We shoot for an 80 to 85% success rate. It's a moving target depending on the number of factors. But if our clients know that they have an 80% chance of not outliving their assets, another way to look at it is there's an 80% chance or higher that they will not have to make any type of change and can do all the things they want to do. Then they don't have to worry about all of those retirement numbers. You don't even have to calculate the success rate yourself. We, BWFA, the financial planners, calculate that for you. And every year, at least, I would suggest, updating your plan to that success rate, knowing that you never go below 80%, then you know you never have to make any type of change. If you do go below 80%, well, then something happened. You need to make a change. You could be save more, spend less, work longer, make more money, a number of things. Also, it can include fixed income streams. For example, a pension or social security. These fixed income streams are going to increase the Monte Carlo probability because that just means that less money you have to take out from your nest egg subject to volatility when we randomize the investment return. Your old retirement number, you may have gone to nothing against Huber Price or Vanguard or Fidelity, but they have online calculators. If they don't have that Monte Carlo analysis, they're probably not taking into consideration all of the other factors in life. It's not as simple as how much do I have? How much am I saving? How much do I, have, do I need in retirement? And how much can I spend? That oversimplifies all of these complex problems. So I encourage you to ask your financial advisor, if you're working with one, about the Monte Carlo analysis, about a financial plan, that roadmap getting wherever you are now to and through retirement, if that is something that they use. If not, 
I'd suggest coming to talk to BWFA, no cost, no obligation. We can tell you a little bit more about it and show you a, a copy of a, uh, of a financial plan. Of course, it's been redacted to some folks. So come see us. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more podcasts. Thanks for listening. For questions, more information, or to schedule a conversation, please contact Baltimore Washington Financial Advisors. Past performance is no measure or guarantee of future returns. Investing in securities involves risk, including the risk of principal. The securities and services mentioned here may not be suitable for every investor. You should discuss these with your advisor prior to making a final determination based on your risk tolerance, your investment objectives, and your financial situation. Baltimore Washington Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor.